Blog Talk Radio. Who is January Jones? She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The Eleventh Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome, and remember, beware, because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard that all of life is a negotiation? (laughs) Tell me about it. Tell me, do you know what the social influence in our world is for sports figures? Well, I'll tell you, it's pretty big. Have you ever wondered why sports figures speak out on political issues and events? Would you like to learn more about why society can learn from the team aspect of sports? Can you imagine sports figures tweeting during a game or during the playoffs. It's unbelievable. Now, have you ever heard about a book called Connected to Goodness? Or better yet, would you like to meet someone who has some of the answers that we're looking for today? Now, are you ready to learn how to be successful and how to connect yourself to goodness? If you can answer yes, or maybe to any of these questions, then you are in the right place. And I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Today I will be introducing you to a very special guest. He is a success coach extraordinaire, and he will be providing us with wonderful inspiration and information and some really, really great advice. I am pleased to announce that this show is now live on talk for media and syndicated on iHeartRadio Talk with over 55 million subscribers. We are archived 24-7 for your listening pleasure at iHeartRadio. So now it's time for you to sit back and relax as you enter the no-wine zone. Pour yourself a glass of wine, get some cheese and crackers, and enjoy our show. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. He has been sharing lessons from the billions of dollars in negotiations he has accomplished in the sports world. He is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a Warren Moon enterprise, and he is the author of Connected to Goodness. He has some strong opinions and advice on what we can do as the world's chief negotiator in this country. Whether you are dealing with personal relationships, business relationships, or international politics, it comes down to negotiation. There is a win-win. 
but that takes working on a level playing field. And today I would like to welcome to our level playing field, David Meltzer. Hi, David. How are you doing today? Terrific. Thanks so much for having me, January. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. After I read your resume, I am so impressed and so pleased that you were on the show. You know what we do, David? I like to start each show with you sharing with my listeners where your success story began, where you were born, who your early mentors were. Absolutely. So I was born in Akron, Ohio, close to, of course, the great Jack Nicholas. <laughs> and uh, okay. we had a very young age. My parents were uh, separated and divorced, and my mom was stuck with five boys and one girl in Akron. <laughs> and <laughs> as a substitute teacher, there, there was a, lo- a lot of want in my house, but uh, mm-hmm. not for gratitude or empathy. And my mom empowered all six of her children, including me, uh, to be happy. And uh, Education and family were so important, uh, how I grew up. And when I was 10 years old, my mom moved me out to California. Uh-huh. Uh, she figured if we were going to be broke, we might as well be in the sunshine in beautiful, sunny <laughs> California, yeah. which I thought was genius. Yes. <laughs> and I thank her every day for, for moving us to California, because Ohio is a great place to be from. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, and you, then, know, you know, David, but, my husband is an Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, both my parents as well, and I, I went to the national championship. And because oh, I yeah. played football at Occidental, I, there's not much to root for for the Occidental Tigers in Division Three. So I'm, I'm a pseudo Buckeye fan, and I just did a tremendous job in the draft today as well. <laughs> we uh, have a lot in common. Time. We have a lot in common. <laughs> I had a daughter who went to Occidental too, and I don't think really? you, could, you could find two better schools than Ohio State or Occidental College. Actually, President Obama went there too, didn't he? Yes, he did, and, and yeah. Jack Kemp, and a variety of others. It's a, a great school and a big, big fan of Occidental as well. They just don't play on, on Saturdays the way that Ohio State does. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit, David, about what it was like growing up in California with your four brothers and one sister and your single mom raising all of you. What a big! What did she do for a living? She was a teacher, so... Uh, it really was help. I don't know how she did it, you know, uh-huh. taking care of all those kids during the day and, and then the kids at night. But uh, one thing she did that was remarkable is she woke us all up really early. So 5 a.m., uh, we all oh. woke up. <laughs> Her philosophy was if I, if I woke you up early enough, you guys would be tired enough by the night to keep you all out of trouble. And it seemed to work because my siblings all went to the Ivy League. Uh, uh-huh. And so I'm the only one because I wanted to play football. I went to Occidental. Uh, I'm the only one that didn't go to the Ivy League. My siblings were exceptional academics and, and still are tremendous professionals and tremendous people. Oh, that's fantastic. So there you were in California, and uh, your mom was a teacher. Now, when you think about your early uh, success story, who were your first mentors? Who did you look up to? Who were the people you wanted to be like? Who did you idealize? You know, I, I uh, really recognize two, two types of people, and I, and I had many mentors that were teachers, coaches, uncles that were very successful, but there were mm-hmm. two types. One was the great athlete, and mm-hmm. so I was attracted to great athletes, and then two, uh, great wealth, so the great businessmen, and I, I really searched at a young age, because I grew up with so little 
that I felt that all this money would make me happy. And, uh, and, and I kind of stove for both of those great academic success uh, in wealth as well as great athletic success. Uh-huh. And can you name any great athlete in particular that you idealized? Oh, sure. I, in, in San Diego, it, it was Kellen Winslow. Uh, m- most of uh, my, my heroes, Hank Bauer uh, for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, so I, I really idealized those guys. And then, of course, in baseball, it was Tony Gwynn, who actually uh-huh. was one of my coaches growing up there oh. in San Diego. And it wow. was just a huge blessing in my life to be so close to Tony Gwynn at such a young age. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? I know we have a grandson who is uh, very interested in basketball. And I think it's so amazing how athletes, uh, famous athletes, great athletes can influence uh, young children. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know, when I ran Lee Steinberg, the largest sports agency in the world, that's one of the messages that we wanted for all of our clients. And two things we required. One was a creative foundation to give back to the community. And two, to understand the importance of whether or not you think you are one, you are a role model and people look up to you and they're going to emulate you. And it's a higher sense of purpose and responsibility. And if you're not willing to live up to that, then we weren't the right company to represent you. Right. You know, now we on this show, David, uh, we share uh, the str- our stories and our struggles and our secrets. And I'd like you to share that how as a, a multimillionaire, you went down on a rapid spiral that ended in bankruptcy. Could you tell my listeners what that was like? Sure. So I was very blessed in my 20s, became a multimillionaire and in my 30s, I was CEO of the world's first smartphone. I actually wasn't in sports. I was in technology. And uh, Samsung had manufactured the PCE phone, which was really the first, conver- they called them converging devices back then, but it was the first iPhone type of phone, Windows CE. And I ended up retiring in my 30s, and that was pretty much the worst thing I've ever done. I felt I had a huge home, you know, sanitary cars, a beautiful family, and I never uh-huh. had felt so empty in my life. And the reason was is I, I, I turned it, I became an arriver. I actually entitled myself, and I lost that gratitude and empathy. And, mm-hmm. and we all know gratitude is thankfulness, but I, I lost the empathy, the, the empowerment of forgiveness, and I, I thought that I was better than I was, and I let my ego get into my way. And mm-hmm. as a cumulative effect, I lost literally financially everything I had. Wow, what is that like to wake up and find out that you're bankrupt? You know, it's more than just waking up and finding out you're bankrupt. It's, you know, <laughs> finding bet. out you're, you know, you're, <laughs> that you're lost. And the, and the hardest part was that what and how I wrote the book is what I did at the time is I went back with my wife's encouragement. Thank goodness I have her. But with my wife's encouragement, I went back to analyze how I made those millions. I, I went back and I looked at the different principles that I lived by, the people mm-hmm. I surrounded myself with, the ideas that I was sharing at the time. And then I looked at where I had come into in, in, in this entitlement and how I got there. And so I codified that and I used it as my guidepost and my example of how I was going to make everything back, how I was going to manifest or attract everything that I wanted again. And I could do it rapidly and accurately once I understood those principles. And as I did that, and I you know, met Lee Steinberg and became the CEO of the largest sports agency in the world, and then 
willing to share my my experience, my journey, my principles, that mm-hmm. I can help everyone live a life where they can have everything they want or desire rapidly and accurately. And that's why I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in order, you realize that in order to revive and thrive, you needed to blend spirituality with business. And then you started to develop this newfound life and business outlook as CEO to sports super agent Lay Steinberg, where he, along with Lay, you, along with Lay and Warren Moon, negotiated over $2 billion in sports and entertainment contracts. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be, you know, now in sports, $2 billion seems like an average contract for some of these entertainment and media deals. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, no, it's a, a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, but I think that idea of co- combining spirituality with with the pragmatic business senses that I had, and so I started meditating. I, I started utilizing the power of the universe over the power of me, and realizing that they're really one. And I spend the majority of my time now thinking and, and imagining as much as taking action. And it's really created efficiencies and statistical success in my life, and most importantly, purpose and happiness. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's the real key to the whole thing. You know, David, we're going to take a break and hear from our wonderful sponsors. But for my listeners, when we're going to come back, we're going to uh, talk about David serving as creative technical consultants on movie and television products, projects such as Jerry Maguire, Any Given Sunday, For the Love of the Game, and HBO's Arliss, which was one of my very, very favorite shows. We'll be right back with David Meltzer. One person has the power to change the world, impact millions of lives, and leave a legacy for lifetimes to come. That person is you. In the New York Times bestseller, What is Your What? Steve Ulcher, award-winning author and founder of the Reinvention Workshop, reveals his proven process that has helped thousands of men and women discover, share, and monetize the one thing they were born to do. Grab your free copy now at www.whatisyourwhat.com slash free. That's www.whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free. Extraordinary People, Real Life Lessons on What It Takes to Achieve Success is a brand new book by business columnist Scott Smith with 21 profiles of famous people who achieved mega success and how they did it, providing lessons for anyone in any career. The subjects include author Anne Rice, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings, music producer Quincy Jones, and Olympic athlete Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Check out ExtraordinaryPeopleBook.com for a sample chapter and to order. That's ExtraordinaryPeopleBook.com. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shalt Not Whine, the 11th commandment, 
you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Whine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back to the No Wine Zone. And I want to share with our listeners that Steve Olsher and Scott Smith have both done incredible interviews with us this month, and they will be archived at iHeartRadio for your listening pleasure. Today I'm visiting with David Meltzer, and he is quite an interesting person in the sports world. Now, David, before we go on, give me your feedback. What did you think about the Super Bowl and the deflate gate controversy and all of that? Give us your thoughts. Oh, sure. Well, I, I had a lot of interviews on Radio Row as far as deflate <laughs> I think deflate gate was, was overinflated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was something to fill the time for the two weeks before the Super Bowl, and it yeah. was much to do about nothing. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it's wonderful talking to David because we're hearing about his experience as a super agent and getting his thoughts on Deflate Gate and the Super Bowl. You know, he's, uh, in addition, um, he's an athletic representative, representative and he served as creative consultant on Jerry Maguire any given Sunday for the love of the game and HBO's Arlist. As a result of his transformation in his remarkably successful new venture, Sports One Marketing, that he began with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Clearly, as an established corporate leader, David is using his sports and entertainment contacts to secure lucrative endorsement deals, sponsorships, corporate equity positions, and marketing of over 100 charitable events. He is quite, uh, I guess you would say he is the actual super agent that we all see up on the TV screens and that we hear about. You know, we're going to take another commercial break and we'll be back visiting with David Meltzer. Where does all the money go? Surely you should have more to show for all the work you do. And what about the future? Heck, what about next week? Chris Miles to the rescue. Chris is a cash flow expert and the financial advocate for the entrepreneur with a reputation of getting his clients fast, life-altering results right now, not 25 to 40 years from now. Let Chris Miles show you how to quickly free up and create more cash flow with results you can enjoy today, not tomorrow. Visit MoneyRipples.com. That's MoneyRipples.com. Visit today, not tomorrow. With over 30 years as a registered nurse with empathic ability, Carolyn Green, a.k.a. The Energy Nurse, is bridging the gap between traditional and alternative medicine. Certified in the areas of energy medicine, life coaching, and as a medical intuitive, she brings to each client an integrative approach to body, mind, and spirit. Her book, found on Balboa Press and Amazon, Getting to Know You, Guided Pearls of Wisdom for a More Soulful Existence, is a channel journey for clearing the mind clutter to bring about healthier thought patterns. As a motivational speaker, Carolyn brings new light to old issues and is engaging, interactive, and enlightening. With her newly launched The Energy Nurse Jewelry Line, 
she brings to you stones and crystals that are not only beautiful to wear, but balancing and healing as well. To contact or learn more about Carolyn, go to www.TheEnergyNurse.com. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems. People who have fearlessly shared their stories, their struggles, and their successes. People who have priceless personalities. In my new book, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, I am honored to be able to share with you people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, starting over, self-esteem, and workplace issues. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They will amaze, amuse, and even astonish you. You will adore getting to meet them at Amazon.com. My book is now available, two-for-one, paperback and Kindle editions. I'm also pleased to announce that Priceless Personalities is now available at audiblebooks.com. Also, Money Ripple's Chris Miles did a fabulous interview with us, and Carolyn Green will be on the show later this month, and all these interviews, as today's interview, will be archived at iHeartRadio.com. We're back with uh, David Meltzer, and we've been talking about an overview of all the different football things that have happened this year. Give us a short, a quickly your overview of the Super Bowl. I love the halftime show myself. <laughs> So did my so did my daughters. I thought the Super Bowl was wonderful. Uh-huh. It's a huge, huge event. As most people that ever watched any TV show here in the United States on TV, it was sold out. The ticket prices were out of control, above yeah. and beyond the value of the tickets. But uh-huh. it is a spectacle for everyone to see in some sort of media and the energy. And what made it great to me is here you had what I consider the two best coaches in football battling uh-huh. it out with different players in different situations. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it came down to the last second with one yeah. yard to go. And what yeah. more could you ask for for a Super Bowl? Oh, you know, many years ago we we owned a tennis club in California, and we used to host a Super Bowl party for all of our members. And it was fabulous, except that usually by halftime, everyone would go home because pretty much the game was over. And what I loved about this Super Bowl is you had to wait there till the last second. Wasn't that fantastic? It was exactly what football should be. And, yes, yeah. absolutely entertaining, fantastic weather. You loved in the intricacies and the student of the sport or just the event and fiesta of the sport. Everyone enjoyed that game, and everyone was excited up until that last interception. Yeah, and as I said earlier, I adored the halftime show. And what I love most about it, it was so, it was almost like the opening of the Olympics. And it was so appropriate for family television. We watched it with our entire family, and it was just fantastic. Now, David, quickly give me a little comment on the uh, national championship. Of course, I'm over the top because Ohio State won. Did you think, uh, was that a surprise? Were you shocked that they won? January, he dropped again. 
Okay, now let's go to another commercial. Do you want to learn how to live into your dreams? One Door Closes, Overcoming Adversity by Following Your Dreams. The new book by Tom Ingracia and Jared Kredimsky captures the thought-provoking stories of 16 people from all walks of life who have triumphed over adversity to achieve their goals. Plus, you'll get 10 self-assessment tools to design your own blueprint for success. Unlock your true potential. Fulfill your dreams. Be inspired. One Door Closes is available from Amazon.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. What is AATH? The Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor is a nonprofit, member-driven, international community of humor and laughter professionals and enthusiasts. AATH provides its members the education, cutting-edge resources, and supportive community they need to excel in the practice and promotion of healthy humor. AATH welcomes anyone who is interested in learning more about the application and benefits of therapeutic humor. Members include scholars, psychologists, counselors, nurses, social workers, physicians, educators, clergy, hospital clowns, and many others who incorporate humor in their life and work. AATH was created to disseminate information about humor and laughter, laughter play in well-being, provide a caring, supportive community of humor professionals and enthusiasts. Check out our AATH at www.aath.org today. I just wanted to share with you that the authors of One Door Closes, Tom and Gracia and Jared Kraminski, will be on the show later this month. And AATH is an organization that I belong to. It's one that I promote every chance I get. And their president, Mary Kay Morrison, will be visiting with us, and we will be highlighting one of her outstanding members at AATH. Today we're back with David Meltzer, and let's go back, David, to the national championship. Um, I thought it was fantastic. What did you think about it? You know, I went to the game, and a huge Ohio State fan, so I thought it was obviously terrific. The, the real <laughs> thing was, for me, that, that stadium, I sat in a very good seat in the middle of the field, but I found myself 
watching the TV because it's so big, that monitor, yeah. instead yeah. of watching the game. I, I had to force myself sometimes to watch the live action because the mm-hmm. TV was so tremendous. I felt like all these people paid all this money just to watch a big TV. <laughs> Well, I, that makes me feel good because, you know, for the uh, show, uh, for that game, my husband rented a six-by-six-foot screen, and we had about 30 people here watching it in our family room. And it's it, the bigger, the better, as far as that goes when it comes to a national championship. Now, let me ask you a question, David. Uh, tell me, do you think that sports figures who are on or near the field – uh, should react to political events uh, such as the recent non-indictments of police. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's it's a difficult thing because I think everyone that's a citizen here in America could comment or or speak about that. The the problem is is that we all speak in authority, and sometimes the people that are uh, speaking out as an authority because they play football don't necessarily have the most enlightened ideas, and they sometimes proliferate ignorance, which then incites other difficulties and other problems and creates an opposite reaction that really uh, is one from a a positive point of view. So I think there is, like I said before, responsibility of these athletes to understand that they do have power, that they are role models, and that they also have a responsibility to stay quiet at times if they don't necessarily know what they're talking about, especially if they're going to incite some sort of reaction uh, that may not mm-hmm. be one of positive uh, reaction for everyone. Yeah, and it's probably not appropriate. Um, now, give me your thoughts on these athletes who express their feelings via social media or during a game, which is unbelievable to me. What do you think about that? Me too. I think that's almost offensive. That you look, you have to be part of the game, 100% focused on the game. You know, we, we train our athletes to make sure that you never just press send, let alone utilize social media in any way during your work. I mean, it would be mm-hmm. as if you were a lawyer during a deposition, yeah. uh, tweeting people about the deposition. It's just inappropriate, unprofessional, and has no place on, on the sideline or, or in and during a game. Uh, and I think there'll be some more rules and penalties and fines to make sure it doesn't happen. Oh, I hope so, because I've got grandkids who are uh, becoming young athletes, and every time I look at them, they're tweeting, and they've got their iPhones, and I just want to say enough and put it away, not during a game. It just takes away from it. Uh, Now, what's your thought about uh, the outcry about Adrian Peterson's violence? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think what he did was horrendous, and uh, and there are no excuses for child abuse. Uh, and then on the other side of it, when we make mistakes, I think everyone here uh, deserves a second chance after you paid uh, your price to society and, and to the league and to your teammates, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, uh, you know, there's no defense. Uh, ignorance is not a defense for abusing children or women, uh, and it never will be for me. Uh, but on the other side... I, I am a person who gives everyone a second chance and that when we make mistakes, there's punishment for those mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, second and third time abusers, uh, I, I have much harsher opinion of, uh, and uh-huh. I'm not sure that my theory of second chances applies to yeah. second and third time people. Okay. And I know you're an agent for athletes and, um, 
regardless of the message, should the athlete's right of expression in public be more acceptable than some team owner's private comments, which I think are never acceptable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You know, and they, you have to be careful with both, but yeah, the, the team owners are ne- never acceptable. And, uh, you know, different comments. And unfortunately what's happening in sports because of uh, the growth in the interest worldwide in sports is that all these things used to happen on the back porch. And then over the last two decades, they became the front porch, right? We had all these different mediums. Now, not only are these words, actions, speeches, fashion, all these things on the front porch, but they're broadcasted real time across the world. And mm-hmm. so there's these new rules, regulations, and responsibilities that will right now in the transition, uh, in, and we're going to learn the appropriate way to most empower our athletes and our children to do the right thing. Because I think, uh, from my experience, the majority of these players are exceptional human beings. You don't get mm-hmm. to the place where you're at without being mm-hmm. an exceptional yeah. human being. And unfortunately, a few young men who make these horrendous mistakes now become the norm instead of uh, the exception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not really um, a good example for our children or for our country. Now, David, let me ask you about uh, charities and photo ops. Um, do uh, is this a good thing for society that sports figures um, uh, sponsor and support these charities and do these photo ops? How do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think, and, and they do, the majority of the athletes, their social responsibility for the blessings and gifts that the sports have given them mm-hmm. is to give mm-hmm. back to their community and to these charities. And because, you know, if you take a Vander Holyfield, for example, who, you know, we represented at Lee's, when he does the PSA that real men don't hit women, uh, that mm-hmm. goes a long way. Long way, rather yeah. Rather from the Vander Holyfield than Dave Meltzer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what? It If you've ever been to a game, it means so much to these kids when these athletes acknowledge them from the field, give them an autograph, heck, just touch their hand. It's a very exciting thing for young people, isn't it? It certainly is. And, you know, being one of those kids that it meant so much to me anytime Uh I, you know, got one autograph or one piece of attention from my heroes. That that was something that I tried to instill and still do in all of our athletes is do not lose perspective of why and where you came from. And that we were all kids one day. And the reason you're here is you admired somebody else that was standing on this field. And the day you lose that gratitude and empathy and not give the attention to those kids that you literally can change their life. If you have time, I can give you a quick story about that. When I was 12 years old, uh, mm-hmm. I was a ball boy for the San Diego Clippers. And the first uh-huh. thing that I did, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar t- treated me like trash. And <gasps> I came home crying to my mom, and I told her I wanted to quit. And she said, this was your dream to be a ball boy. You're not quitting. I went back the next game. Dr. J was there. And instead of calling me boy and bossing me around, he put that large hand on my back. And he said, son, is there anything I can do for you? Would you like a pair of my socks? Can I sign it? And I came home, and I'm fortunate enough to be really close friends with Julius. And I told him, you know, as a 40-something-year-old man, how much that meant to me. And I still remember that story. And as we became close friends and bonded, I told him, you were just the guy that understood how much you could change and inspire a 12-year-old. Uh-huh. 
by taking wow. the time and being kind instead of being an arrogant asshole. Okay. And thank you. Thank you, dear, for sharing. That's a very special story to share. And it's it's amazing amazing what it will do to crush a child or to inspire them and it's how they're treated by these famous, famous celebrities. Now, David, tell us about what you think society can learn from the team aspect of sports, such as setting aside race, religion, nationality for the betterment of the team. Now, this is something we see done in the military. We have a lot of veterans who come on the show and they talk about the brotherhood of the military. Is this something that we can get from team sports too? Absolutely. So as we strengthen our connection to goodness or God or Buddha or Jesus, Muhammad, whatever our separate differences are with the same purpose Mm -hmm. or cause, when we have a collective belief and we all work towards that collective belief together as one, and then we bring together all these other people, coaches and and fans, and then other people outside of the community, they all feel as one. This camaraderie, this effort, this purpose for a better, higher, a higher purpose uh, is definitely what makes team sports the the best of all sports and the best of us. And when you watch those two teams, uh, all of them both were so well coached in their Super Bowl Uh that played as a team. And you also look at the national championship that Urban Mm -hmm. Meyer is his team Mm -hmm. and Oregon, of course. These are four teams that represent why these sports are so tremendous and why we're all attracted and it resonates with us is that everyone does their own job for the purpose of all. And, and oh. you know, a hundred guys on that sideline. And I think it's wonderful and beautiful and inspirational to watch. Well, you know, Urban uh, Meyer is, is like a saint in our household. And what a fantastic <laughs> coach and what a great example. And it's so neat because you see these young guys out on there and they're out as a team. They don't care what race you are. They don't care what religion you are. They don't care what nationality you are. All they want to do is win as a team. And I think that's what America's all about. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Anything that brings us together instead of separates us by our differences is what America is meant to be. We are one, united, and free. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we transform this uh, team goodness, this team experience into a collective belief? How do we get that out to everyone, David? You know, that's my personal mission. Uh, I believe, you know, at one time in my life, my mission was to empower others. And then I got stuck because that's really not the way to create a collective belief or significant change. And so what we need to do is take it a step beyond. We need to empower others to empower others. So what we mm-hmm. share, we need to teach others to share. And it's more than just pay it forward ourselves. It's we need to encourage and inspire others to pay it forward. Because if I can inspire 100 people, but moreover teach them to inspire 100 people and they inspire 100 people, that's how a collective belief is formed, and that's how we can create significant change and live in a better world in a more enlightened environment. Mm. You sound like you have a passion, and I certainly agree with you because I know I have a passion for uh, sharing success stories. Before we go on, uh, we have to talk about your book. We haven't even gotten there yet, but we will get there. Could you share... Uh, your book is connected to goodness, and I'm—I know it's written with passion. 
Uh, could you share for my listeners how they can get their book and where your website is? Absolutely. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, also at my website, which is connectedtogoodness.com. Um, and available at all three places. Uh, it would, would love for anyone to read it and give me their feedback. Oh, terrific. And now, David, what prompted you to write this book, and how long did it take you to write it? You know, it's an accumulation of uh, a series that started as a sales training called Five to Thrive. That was a spiritual sales training, and it took me about a year to write. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I was passionate about codifying how this pragmatic businessman I'd lost everything and what inspired and how I, you know, really shifted, shifted my vision. I changed the way I looked at things so the things I looked at changed. And I created a way that, and this is best to explain my book, I, I know that consciously we can think about what we want. And then the minute we consciously think about it, it becomes a possibility. I then uh-huh. put these principles, foundation, guideposts, and manifestation to go from possibility to being inspired. And once we come and become inspired about ideas, it becomes a probability. And then from a probability, I give you pragmatic principles of discipline, strategy, and understanding so that it becomes your reality or your perspective. So in essence, you can have or manifest anything you desire rapidly and accurately simply by starting to think about it, get inspired, and take action to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my mantras, and I share this on the show so often with my listeners, and it's if you think it, then you can do it. Um, and this show is all about success. Um, could you define for my listeners your vision of success for our listeners? I believe success is being happy on your journey. So I believe all the things that happen to us, challenges, what others may call failures and successes, to me, are all successive events, uh, which are all successes. So changing that attitude and your aptitude for these successes and enjoying the journey, whether it has outcomes that you uh, have attached to or not, or you expect it or not. Uh, everything in my life is a success. And when things get more challenging for me, I've actually mm-hmm. shifted my perspective that I get more excited about it because I know <laughs> something really good is going to happen. <laughs> and you, you share that you want people to use their time efficiently and effectively and that sometimes is a hard that's sometimes hard for me to do. I can be effective, but sometimes I'm not so efficient. What's your advice on that topic? So yeah, I, I use and self analyze every morning and every night kind of this efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, so I look at things and say to myself, you know, how, how long is it taking me to do things that I do hourly, daily? weekly or monthly, and I start with the most frequent things that I do, like every day I brush my teeth or get ready, I I look at that and see how can I save time or be more efficient with that and then practice that so that I become more efficient because if I can save, for example, two minutes every day just from Mm -hmm. brushing my teeth, right? that's 14 (laughs) minutes in a a week, and it might sound funny, but it's 56 minutes a month, it's an hour a month, it's 12 hours a year. Just going to be more efficient on how I brush my teeth. And so I started looking at all those different things and maybe a little bit uh, OCD, but uh, I think it's really, <laughs> really effective way to spend more time with my kids and doing things that I love to do instead of things that I must do, uh, like mm-hmm. brushing my teeth. 
Yeah, right. Well, you know what? My favorite thing that you suggest is wake up early. And I'm a proponent of wake up early. I'm a morning person. And I like to do that. But sometimes, what do you think about this? I wake up in the middle of the night. It's three or four. I can't sleep. And guess what I do? I get up and go and do something on the computer and then within an hour or two, I'm back in bed. I think that when you're awake, you should be awake. Don't you agree? I love that. Yeah, you know, I wake up every morning at 4, and I try <laughs> to go to bed by 11. So, I, I, But I get that. I, I think, you know, that you, you need to, and, and I used to sit and, and just waste my time early in the morning. And I wake up, I meditate, I go to the gym, I uh-huh. get, and help my wife get ready for all the four kids that I have to get ready for school. Um, and I believe if you can train yourself uh, to still get real deep sleep, but to wake up early, you will get so much more done in that quiet focus time from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, than the rest of the day combined. Well, you know, I agree because I think uh, during the night, that's when the energy from the universe is flowing. And I think if you have any creative aspirations or ideas, that's pretty much the time when it'll all come through to you. You know, this has been fantastic having you on the show. I actually, David, have to have you back because I want to hear more about what it was like working on Jerry Maguire and the movies you did. And also, we have so many things to talk about from your wonderful book, Connected to Goodness. Now, if you are interested in reading this book, go to Amazon.com. You can access it there and then also go to David's website. And David, would you get that information out again about your website? Sure. It's uh, connected to T-O-Goodness.com, connected to goodness.com. Okay. And I, I certainly do hope you'll come back and visit with us again. I would love to anytime, January. What a pleasure. I'd love to see you <laughs> Well, you know, this is interesting for my listeners. David is a sports agent, and I did not even share with him today that I am a competitor in the World Series of Golf and that I probably need a super agent myself. So maybe when he comes back, I can lock that one down. Thank you to David Meltzer and to my wonderful listeners. We hope you've enjoyed our show today. Hasn't it been interesting? My upcoming guests are all exciting, eclectic, and energizing, just like David. This is the show where you hear inspiring information that will help you to become successful, too. I would love to welcome you to our wonderful No Whining World. When you can, sign on to my website, JanuaryJones.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show or advertise with us, just send an email to info at JanuaryJones.com. We really love sharing our stories and our struggles and our secrets for success. Remember my mantra, if you think it, then you can do it. So for now, dear friends, please stop with the whining and then start smiling and start sharing our show with everyone you know. And if that doesn't work, then start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate. Again, thank you to my guest today, David Meltzers. This is January Jones thanking you for joining me today on my journey and reminding you to take care and stay safe as we close with music by Sorantos. Hi, Sorantos here with January. 
check out my new smooth R&B song called Back and Forth. 33% of profits for this song are going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Lately, I hear the melodies of sorrow As the story unfolds As the darkness draws I hope you enjoyed my melody. Check out my other songs for free on my website at www.melogia.com. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Story. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.